I was never fearful starting my own business. Like I just, it felt like this is what I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. and everything is going to work out. Trust the process. This, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be headed. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't, I don't have a good answer <laughs> for those kind of questions, but like that, that, that's where I go. Cause it's just like, I, I don't think of myself as someone that's persevering, but from the outside, like that's what everybody is, is seeing. Or like you said, you know, you're ripping your head out one minute or you're over here the next minute. Or yeah, exactly. Trying this thing next minute. <laughs> and it's just like, that's, that is what it is. It's like, that's, that's just part of the, the nature of the beast mm-hmm. and, and what I signed up for. And, but at the end of the day, I'm so passionate about what I do that I think that that covers up a lot of it as well. I, if I was starting my own business is something that I had no passion for, had no desire for, then I think those things would rear its ugly head a lot more often. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarious human experience, and we challenge ourselves and others to think question and synthesize wherever our curiosity takes us it is through these conversations that we provide blueprints for others to learn and lead a more fulfilling life my guest today is ct Kaup. ct helps surface-based businesses create powerful online presence so they can thrive in their marketplace after five years of honing his craft at his late father's advertising agency he started his own website and design business By providing an uncommon level of collaboration and personal one-on-one service from creating, updating, and maintaining your website, he has you covered. Not only that, CT has spent the last three years of self-discovery, figuring out what makes him tick, what brings him the most joy and fulfillment, and how to live authentically. He approaches each day with a purpose and intention and hopes to inspire you to do the same. His motto, be elite. And that's a quote from PJ Fleck. And all of what I just said to you is exactly what we cover in today's podcast. CT is a kindred spirit in many ways, and we unpack not only his story with his father and mentorship, but we also really dive deep into just business and and the thriving in entrepreneurship because it, it is a choice. And a lot of people look at you from the outside looking in as a way of how do you do what you do? It does come with sacrifices, like any choice we make. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with CT. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. Today's guest, we are joined by CT Kaup. Hey, CT. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. So for everyone else, I think the best place to start is just to say what you do professionally or what is your main means of income, and then we'll unpack your story from there. Sure. So I am a website designer by trade. I've been working with the websites for close to a decade. I worked at my late father's advertising agency for five years, and then about five, six years, and then started my own website design business three years ago. And that's to be able to marry that passion and the fulfillment that I get from creating websites and managing it for my clients and the professional expertise of doing that, being able to marry both sides of it, like that's the ultimate fulfillment and joy to me. And so from a professional side, that's what I'm all about. And then the the personal side, uh, I'm really big into the personal and self-development and really just figuring out yourself on a deep level. And I really believe in that. So we really share a through line in that space of personal development, broadly speaking. But what really resonated with me was when we'd first connected, I'd read your website bio as to why you decided to, you know, do your own design, which is really driven by your father. I really resonated with that idea. And I think it's really powerful as to to shape why you do what you do rather than just doing it for a source of income. So I don't know if you how far you want to go back or why the story with your father really resonates with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of different uh, topics there. So first, I would say that 
web design and like the, the, the business that I'm creating, you know, it's, it's what I do, but it's not who I am. And so I've even been thinking about trying to start a podcast myself in the website design space or so somewhere that would then relate to the business that I'm, that I'm building. But I struggle with it because, because I'm so much more than that. Like, I don't want to just, you know, this is all I am and like tie my identity to that. Like, that's just not, that's not what I'm all about. My father passed away in 2016 from a brain tumor. And so I was only 28 at the time. I was two months, uh, 62 days from the time that he was diagnosed to the time that he passed. And so, you know, having, going through that experience really gave me a profound view on life and how, and how short it is. And from a business sense, like I'm super particular with, and picky with the clients that I take on because I want to be able to create that, that really awesome fit and relationship. It's really important to me. Like I would see my dad stressed out uh, when I was working with him, you know, with certain clients. And it was just like, why do you have to, like, why do we have to hold on to that client? Like, well, sure, they're a big client, but like, why can't we let them go and then pick up two others to, you know, make up for that? You know, that are the right fit that, that appreciate and value the yeah. service that we're providing or whatever that might be. And so that really is ingrained deep into me. And, and then like the, the personal side with him passing, like, it's just, I can't fathom being in a job that you hate and being unfulfilled by that, because then that's going to trickle down into every other part of your life. So all the, you know, your, the relationship with your spouse and your kids, family, everything else, and your coworkers, the whole, the whole thing, it just is going to trickle down to everything. And I, and I, so I believe in living a life that you can live in alignment with all of that and, and feel really fulfilled by the work that you do, which then is going to make everything else richer and deeper. Yeah. that I, th- I think you're really hitting on something really important there. You know, it's like connecting to the individual is really a through line for you. Do you, is that just driven by your father? But I feel like there's some like leading by example, I guess, or it, cause it's a, it's a newer thing, right? I, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, I mean, definitely the, the number one thing, you know, I learned from him from a business sense was just the importance of relationships. So that that definitely is, is the threat from him. But I've always said, like, if he started an agency today, he wouldn't have had, had the brick and mortar, the physical location uh, and all that kind of stuff, just because it's you know, how much things have changed now, you know, from when he started back in the early 80s. And so trying to take what I learned from him little bits and pieces here and there and then marry that and twist that and, and you know mold that into my own thing. And so I'm really big on the location independence mm-hmm. and the financial freedom. And having those then allows me to take trips to meet clients, you know, essentially on my dime, on my free time, just because I enjoy having that deep personal connection with those that I work with. And we can take that back to the personal dev side because I would say about well, pretty much when I started, maybe about a year before I started my business. So let's just call it four years ago. I really felt a calling to dive into myself more and just like figure out why I, what makes me tick and why, why do I do this or do that or enjoy this or enjoy that. And I believe that that having that clarity really helps in all areas of your, of your life. And I said, you need, this isn't anything new, but like the idea of you have to fully love yourself before you can love anyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the, the start of it. But in that work, I realized how important the deep relationships are to me. I'd rather have five really deep and rich relationships than 50 surface level. And that's not saying that's not me telling you that that's the right way to go about your, about your life. But like for me personally, like that's, that's when I feel most fulfilled. Yeah. That, that's so powerful, man. Like it, I, I feel like over the last couple of years, I, I mirrored that sentiment incredibly. Like the idea of small talk is, is kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it because it just seems so like, it just drives me crazy to some degree. Right. Like, I want to know why people think the way they do, right? Or like, why do they 
like what resonates with them. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, because it's like, you have to have a certain level of surface level, right? And I, I don't mean to say level twice in one sentence, but it's like to connect, you still have to get through prerequisites, but it, it also feels like, can we just get past that first? And it'll be more interesting if we just like pretend like we've already gotten, gone there, you know, like what's the weather and what do you do for your job <laughs> and actually like get to the point where you actually talk about the things you're really interested in. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I feel like, uh, yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. I, I think in my experience that when I talk to others that share that, then we're able to go really deep, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that feels very natural. And I would say from both sides. Mm-hmm. So to build off of going deep, what I was going to say is like, that has to help. I feel like in any aspect of like, whatever you choose to do, if you can connect with an individual, you're able to like, see that person for whatever they are. Right. Like you get to be, instead of just saying, Oh, we're here in just business context, you get to actually like see inside that person. And like, we'll just use your, you know, craft for your example as a, as a website developer, right. You're helping people create a landing page, for instance, as to like, what they want to put out to the world. And like you were saying, you don't want to like over identify with, you know, who you are and what you do. Right. But to some degree, it's like, it's about putting out that message so that it resonates with the core of that person's being, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm really big on, I want to make it authentic and personalize it to each client. And so I'm always driving home ways that we can do that. And I want to do it more and more every time. And it really depends on the client and how far they want to go. But like the more personalized touch, the more human touch that you can put in that website, mm-hmm. then I believe the more it's going to resonate with its end user. Obviously if everything is set up correctly and, and, and written correctly for that end user. But I, but I, but I just feel that the personalization is a big, big part of that. And it gives that, gives that human touch. Yeah. So for you, where has this, this internal driver for like highlighting the individual, where does that come from? Like, do you have any, besides your father, of course, like, is there any books or just mentors that you turn to maybe even sports, I guess would be another place to look at this. I'm not, I'm not sure how, where else off the top of my head. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go down the sports angle for a second. So two, two coaches, Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks mm-hmm. and PJ Fleck with the university of Minnesota. You may know him as a roll the boat guy. That's one of his mantras. So if anybody listening is a big college football fan or just, I guess, college in general athletics, then you, you may have heard that, but yeah, those, I, I, Growing up, I've always, I, I was always passionate about sports and still am and became a Seahawks fan in fifth grade, which is very weird growing up uh, in Wisconsin, uh, you know, it's Green Bay Packers country. And so it's like a religion up here that you have to be a Packers fan. And I just said, I'm going to go out and be my own, be my own person, uh, do my own thing and uh, pick the Hawks. And uh, yeah, it's been an interesting with a nice little rivalry with the Packers and left decade but but the point of all that is that because of me becoming a Seahawks fan that I get introduced to Pete Carroll whatever that was I think that's I think it's been 10 years 10 11 years Mm -hmm. that he's coached Hawks and just his philosophy on life and you know building that culture within the organization and that's that's top down Mm -hmm. and seeing how that transformed the team from what it was prior and they had a few playoff bursts, but like it was nothing. And that consistent, that consistent success, uh, and sustained success that they, that they want to have and that they have had, it's, it's remarkable, but it just, to me shows the power of connecting the part of family, the, the power of everybody being, having one common goal and all being in. And I say that PJ Fleck at the University of Minnesota is like a Pete Carroll, but 30 years younger. Uh, it's very, very similar. Uh, he started at Western Michigan. You know, obviously, he obviously had some soft support, but like it's a head coach. I believe his first stop was Western Michigan. First season, they I think he won one game, and over the course of four or five years, built them up, and they they won their conference uh, championship. And then he went up to Minnesota a couple of years ago. 
and building them up. And you can see that same trajectory and you can see that same process. And to me, it's just someone that, that knows himself on a deep level and, and, and understands the power of uh, connecting. And I always say that if I can jump back to, to Carol quickly, I always say that once his, I mean, he's one of the most successful football coaches of all time. And I believe that he's going to have more, he's going to have a more powerful time and more, more of a, a more, he's going to have more impact after his football coaching career than, than what he has during it. Just with everything that he's doing and uh, compete to create a company that he co-founded. I believe in what he's doing a thousand percent and I'm excited to see where that, that heads. But those are two main uh, mentors for me from afar. And then I'll give you uh, one book, High Performance Habits okay. by Brendan Burchard. All right, so a few years ago, I had found out about Brendan Burchard, and he's all into high performance, and I connected with him pretty deeply. He, uh, I saw a speech on uh, YouTube that he had done talking about a car accident he had when he was like 18, 19, and he thought he was going to die and saw his life flash before his eyes and uh, was very unfulfilled. He was actually thinking about suicide before he was going on that trip. And uh, some of the, the parallels that I got out of it when he was talking was just very reminiscent with, with my dad and just seeing life flash before my eyes in a, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a parallel kind of way. And his high performance habits book is all about tips, tricks to be a better father, be a better husband, be a better coworker, you know, can help you in all aspects of your life, but very tactile information backed by science. It's the largest study of high performance, high performers ever. And that's what I like about it, that it's all backed with real facts and, and yeah. numbers and not, not just a motivational manifesto. Kind of thing, <laughs> It, it's funny you bring that up, right? Like there's this this weird overlap within this like self-help community where where it becomes this like self-belief thing taken a little too far some, to some degree, right? It's like if you make a board or you just say, yeah, I'm going to, you know, if I just think about it every day, it's going to happen, right? But I think there's a point where you ha you can't just – you can't just imagine something happening, right? Like you have to go out and do it. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I, I need, I'm very much black and white and I need like concrete mm -hmm. evidence and like just, I need to be doing something. So like, I'll, I'll be extremely transparent and tell you like from day one, when I started my business, the goal was to be able to travel and see clients face to face, regardless of where they may be. And it took me three years to be able to take my first trip and do that. Wow. But like that, that's never wavered. It literally from day one, that was the goal. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to do it a couple, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and so it's like, you can, you can have that vision. You can think about it. You think about it all the time. And I did, but like, you gotta, you also gotta work and, and create the business and do everything that needs to be done to, to get to that point. Versus, like you said, just just thinking about it isn't going to really do anything, do anybody any good. Right, and not even yourself. I, I feel like in this world, we always say those things like, "I wish I could go do that." Right, and I think there's a point where we have to say, "I." Instead of saying "I wish," saying "I will," and the idea is that it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's going to happen eventually. Because if you just slowly build, you know, brick by brick, so to speak, you can get to however far you want. It's just not going to happen as fast as you'd like it to sometimes. <laughs> and I think your story is honestly a huge testament to that. I think it's very hard in today's society where it's instant gratification, everything. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you, you, I see a bunch of stuff on my Facebook timeline or social media timelines, you know, about, you know, this online course, that online course. Mm -hmm. And basically it's just a lot of it is just selling crap because it's selling that quick fix anything worth fighting for isn't isn't easy if, if you really want something and it's and it's tough well everybody would be doing it yeah so like you have to put in the work to to get to that point and like no 299 course is gonna 
is going to take you from zero to 60, you know, in one weekend. <laughs> I think it's really true, right? Like you can spend whatever money on a course. I think it's it, the real work doesn't happen while you're in that course. I think the real work happens as soon as that course is over, because it's like how many of those things that you learned in that are you actually going to use afterwards? I don't mean to be cynical, but it's like most people, probably 80% of the things that they learn in those things don't get used ever again. You know, all those habits are like, you know, float hacking things or, you know, we'll just call them hacks, right? All those hacks people see mm -hmm. nowadays. I think most people are just kind of chronic, you know, starting over again kind of people where they just go after something and they get really excited and motivated. Cause I think honestly, motivation is crap because it's like motivational and it works until the, something gets hard. And then once it gets hard, people mm -hmm. are like, eh, I'll go do the comfortable thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, I'll give you a real world example of working with a business coach. Mm -hmm. and, and I spent a lot of money and at the end of it, I told them, I was like, you know, if I don't actually do what we talked about and the plan that we put in place here, mm -hmm. you know, that money is, was completely wasted. You know, it's like you, you can get, you can pay somebody to give you all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't implement it, then it's worthless. Yeah. Absolutely, man. That's honestly been a huge driving force for why this exists for me, because it's, you know, we can accumulate knowledge and we can accumulate all of this stuff, but if you can't use it or if you don't internalize it for yourself, right? Like, so what I learn is never going to be the same as what you learn. And so you have, it's like the Bruce Lee motto, right? Take what is useful and discard what is not, and then put like, add what is unique to yours. And I think if we all kind of did that more often, we would be a lot further along than we thought we could be. Because we kind of just take what other people say and we're like, well, that worked for them. So if I do what they did, it'll work for me. And I don't think that's entirely true because whatever situation they were in, and I'm using like a royal day here. <laughs> so like whoever you look up to, like you can use them as a blueprint, but like you're still living your life and they lived their life. You just happen to be on the outside of that looking back 2020. So I don't know if you want to like what are habits for you or like things that you've picked up along the way that have seemed to kind of like solidify stuff, you know, along, along the ride? I'll say something that came me is, as you were talking there is mm -hmm. when you figure out yourself on a deep level and you figure out what is fulfilling and joyful to you and makes you want to get up in the morning, mm -hmm. that may not be what, does it for your partner or for your neighbor or the guy living in another state or somebody you see on, you know, on social media or whatever. And it's like, you got to figure out yourself first and everything kind of flows from there. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can have that ultimate fulfillment until you do the deep work to figure out yourself. Absolutely. So for you, like, what was that journey like? Cause obviously it's never over, but like, what was the, what was that moment where you really needed to like figure out what you were all about and to start uncovering that? I would say it was probably around the time that I was transitioning from my dad's company to my own mm -hmm. somewhere within that year-ish transition. Just, I don't know where it came from, but just a yearning to, to, to know myself on a deeper level. I always kind of felt a little bit as, as outsider and as, and, and now knowing what I know, I think it was like we were talking about earlier, you know, with really wanting to learn people on a deep level or, you know, have those deep relationships. Like that's just a different way to go about life Yeah, because so people want the surface level. So while 10 years ago, I may have thought like, what the heck, like I feel weird, like, like, what, what, what's going on. But in reality, it was really just that at, at play. <laughs> uh, and I mean, just two these, these are very, uh, these, these may sound like easy or kind of like just fluff, like, you know, you can kind of dismiss it, but mm -hmm. two things that really helped for me were, was, uh, taking, figuring out my personality type. Okay. So different stuff, you know, you can do online and you can figure that out. And 
just reading through that, connecting with that going, Holy smokes. Yeah. That's me. That's me. That's me. Okay. Like here's why I always think about things this way, or here's why I do things this way. Being able to, to, I'm very visual Mm -hmm. learner. So to be able to visually see that, read through that and recognize that, uh, was really helpful to me. And, and I believe it's, it's powerful for other people because I think there's a lot that, that just don't spend the, the time to, to dig into that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of power in, in having, having that information. What, what website or what type of personality test did you take just out of curiosity for those who are interested in taking I, it? First? I think it was the, I think it was the 16 personalities.com. Okay. I remember correctly. But that's the like INTJ, those kind of ones, right? Or is that- yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Myers Briggs. Okay, yeah, that, that's what I was thinking, because yep. I've heard it called sixteen personalities or Myers Briggs. That's really interesting, yep. and and it makes sense that you know people who fall in the category like you, you and me, we are just these accumulators of knowledge in many ways. So it's like once you have this thing, it's like ooh, I get to learn how to categorize myself a little bit better or understand more of myself, right? And I think one of the dangers here, at least. At a younger age for me, I was using it as like identity foreclosure. I was using it as this thing of like, oh, here's who I am, but it's not like, you know, like, oh, here's how I am in different scenarios. That like <laughs> fixed mindset, fixed asset. Like that was my old way of looking at it. Did that happen to you at all? Well, I keep going down that road. What? what how did that change for you then? Well, it was it was really for me like. All through high school, like I had this, very, like still, I felt like like a lot like you, where I was different than other people, where I was hyper intellectual. I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. analytics and science and all this kind of stuff, but I knew I had like this work work ethic and drive that, if whatever I like, I was so curious about a broad range of topics that I I knew that if I whatever I wound up picking for college, I would succeed. But I had to pick something practical, right? Like I could have gone into some sort of, you know, esoteric type science or something like that. And for me, I didn't want to pick something that limited my options. I wanted to pick something that would open as many doors as possible. Like that's one of my overarching themes is I like to look at things to be as general and broad reaching as possible. And once I kind of got into engineering, I was like, okay, cool. I, I have this thing that I'm doing and it'll just continue to open doors because engineering, like whatever flavor you decide to pick, all kind of lend itself as a certain level of problem solving broadly speaking like once you get in like once you just get engineering you're just a problem solver at heart you just deal with very specific kinds of problem solving but then from there i was able to kind of reconstruct uh working out basically and like how to work out turned into a science and no one had ever explained it to me that way i had always assumed you know working out was a jockey meathead thing you know i pick things up i put them back down again and all all that matters is the number that you're lifting right but I was able to deconstruct it and look at it from an engineering, like biomechanics way. And I was like, oh my God, it's like a lab, but you're, you're instead of like using a piece of equipment as the instrument, it's your body and how you move the body in space, you know, looking at it from simple mechanics, like pulleys or pushing, you know, that kind of stuff. I was able to make it into this like real life playground for myself. And that was really what kind of broke down this barrier of like, I'm a fixed quantity Basically, I was able to kind of say like, nope, everything is a work in progress and you can break it down into small chunky parts. And over time, you can make changes like meaningful changes that you never thought were possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think an overarching theme for me was just asking why and thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'll tell you, as we sit today having a gym in a nursing home setting would be crazy, right? Like nobody (laughs) uh, who does that. But like to me, as I'm sitting here right now, like I want to work out until the day I die. Oh, for sure. And like, like, why why can't, why can't we be lifting weights when we're 85 years old? Mm -hmm. Like on the surface, that seems weird. That doesn't, that seems like the majority, majority would definitely go the other way. But like, that's just how I, how, how I think. Like, I want to be able to be the best that I can be. 
mm-hmm. you know, and until I die. And like we talk about just accumulating that, that knowledge and learning and yeah, every day is a, a new day, a new adventure and all that. Like that's, that's just how I'm wired. Yeah. I, I mean, that's exactly it. Like I started looking at it and you know, this comes kind of from compete to create, but I didn't realize what I had done until I started, I took the course with them and I had turned working out into a vision because one of the things I had said to myself was like, okay, like you're not working out just because like, you know, it's good for you. I wanted to work out because that one day I would be, you know, a parent and I didn't want to be the parent that couldn't run around and play with their kids or have like back problems or be like winded walking up the stairs because I sit at my desk for too long every day. You know, I, I kind of inadvertently made it like a long-term goal that I put way out in the future so that I could just create this habit. And, you know, it so funny looking back on it now because it sounds so silly, but it's like, I said, okay, if I can figure out how to do this now while I'm working and going to school full time, I can figure out how to do this once I'm busy and I have like a family and a full-time job regardless. Like, you know, it was like, I just said, okay, if I figure this out now, it's not going to get any harder or easier. You know, it's like, I'm always going to be a certain level of busy where it feels like I can't do this, you know? (laughs) No, it's a very similar uh, path for me as well. That was when I, when I started my business, I got into working out even more hardcore than I, was prior mm-hmm. and it was like the same exact exact thought pattern as to if I do it now mm-hmm. then when my business really starts taking off or having a family and all the other, all the other uh, responsibilities that could come up in the future it was like it's just ingrained in me it's second nature it's just it's what I do versus having to figure out it having to figure it out you know five ten years down the road yeah. For you, what was, what's the hardest thing? So kind of pulling back into the, the, the business aspect of this is like, because it's your own business, right? You can always find reasons to continue to work, right? So how do you like give yourself that space within your life to say, I've done as much as I can do today? You hit the nail on that right there. I would <laughs> say turning off, just being able to turn off is extremely difficult. Because I just want to keep pushing, mm-hmm. but I would say that I learned early on that if I'm not feeling at my best, it's much better to turn off mm-hmm. and disconnect than trying to push through because the quality isn't going to be there, and then I'll feel even worse. You know, my sleep will be worse, and just like <laughs> everything will get broken up, and I'll be even worse the next day or the next couple of days or whatever. So I do, I do carry that with me that I always I want to keep a good sleep pattern mm-hmm. as best as as possible and rhythm that way. I really believe that sleep fitness as a term, like I just feel like that's gonna be that's gonna be gigantic. I think we had talked about in the past, like yeah, that's gonna be gigantic three, four, five, ten years from now. Like it's just. Not really. It's it's getting there. Uh, more mainstream, more technology, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it will be even more so in the future. But um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll just I, I would go with that, man. Just t- turning off is is really hard, especially like you said, owning owning my own business. And you know, <laughs> if I if I'm not working, I'm making money, right? Like it's, yeah, absolutely. It's sort of that dynamic. Like I I just feel like it's such a it's such a strange thing to think about, right? Because like most of us who are in this this vein of like self improvement and stuff like that, we have that that whatever you call it, be it gene or just overall mindset of push and grind and all of that. But we've kind of come away from that as I'm using the group of we like this newer paradigm shift where we, we recognize there's this double-edged sword to grinding, like to like, you do have to commit, but there's also like, you got to give yourself the space to recover. And I'm going to use another workout analogy here, which is, you know, when you first start working on, you're really gung ho about it. You don't want to take a day off because you're like, dude, I can't take a day off because I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to let that get like get in my head. Right. But when you wind up taking, you know, one, two, maybe three days off and then you come back to the gym, you wind up breaking some PRs that you were been struggling to break. And it's like nothing even happened. You know, you got to give yourself space that recovery time to actually perform at your best. 
And it's one, it's so counterintuitive for some of us, at least those of us who are workaholics or have that ability to workaholic <laughs> without really trying to. So I don't know if you have any like tips for yourself to kind of, how do you wind down or, or have like a power down routine, either daily or weekly? Do you have like a day? Like, do you do like no phone on Sundays or something like that? Or no screens? I wish. <laughs> I wish. Um, uh, I, I like to do, I would like to do daily reflections. It ends up being weekly. Okay. Uh, I'm doing something right now or the majority of the time I'd say it ends up being weekly. Uh, I'm doing something right now that I, I heard about, I would say, maybe towards the end of, of last year, early this year. And so I, I started doing it every Sunday and it's where just take like a postcard or a, you know, post-it note or whatever mm-hmm. and write down one thing that you're grateful for uh-huh. or that you were grateful for in that week. You know, you fold it up, put it in a jar. And then at the end of the year, then you open all, you, 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 you know, empty out the jar and you open it all up and you see all this awesome stuff that happened mm-hmm. in the last 52 weeks that, you know, it can be trivial little stuff in the scheme of things, but that you don't really think about, you know, the year's end, but then, you know, as you're going through it, you just realize how awesome this thing was or that yeah. thing was and uh, brings up, brings up memories and all that. So that, that's something new that I just, like I said, just heard about and started that up and I'm, I'm excited to see what that is like come the end of the year. The other thing I would tell you is that especially early on when I started that first year, running my own business, like it was, it was tough as nails, you know, nobody's referring you because you know, yeah. you're brand new. Like nobody knows trying you. <laughs> to create that. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Nobody knows me. So how can they refer, refer me? And so, so kind of a, a trick that I would do is when I went to bed, that was the act of flushing whatever happened that day away and then waking up the next morning with a fresh slate. Mm-hmm. And that was powerful for me to just, just to, to, to visualize that. And then when I would wake up, it, it really, I, I really felt a lot more clarity um, and, and didn't feel, you know, like that, like the monkey brain with a thousand things going on, you know, yeah. just, just had that, that clarity of vision. That's, that's a super interesting thing. And, I, and it brings me to a point that I really kind of want to highlight with you because I think it's a powerful thing to recognize for all of us, right? The, the idea of dealing with self-doubt, right? You as a solo or, you know, entrepreneur with your own business, having to squish your self-doubt has got to be a huge part of your time. I've done that many times with myself doing this project and podcast, even though it's not a business, I still, you know, sometimes I can get stuck in loops where I'm just like, well, if I stopped tomorrow or didn't come out with the podcast or whatever, no one would care. And I get stuck in those things sometimes. And it's, you know, it's silly thoughts, but it's also those things that the monkey brain loves to think about. So how do you deal with those waves of self-doubt when, when they do arise? I would say what helped me was having that clarity of vision Mm. and and knowing where I was going to go. And like I was telling you earlier about, you know, day one, here, here's the vision that I had. Like that's never wavered. H- having that clarity, I feel like then was able to help me navigate some of the, the uneasy waters or, you know, how, how am I going to make this work? Or, you know, Hey, I'm struggling on any clients. Like, what, like what, what, how am I going to get that next client? Mm-hmm. Because, because it's never, it's never been about money to me. Right. It's, it's, it's so, it's so much cheaper than that. And the impact that I want to make has, has no bearing on money and whether I make $5,000 a month or $50,000 a month, like I'll be the same person. I always say if money was no object and I'd be working for free, what would I do? Yeah. I literally would be doing the exact same thing I'm doing right now. <laughs> I may be traveling a little bit more. I'll be honest with you in that regard. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you're getting the same person <laughs> and, and, and so ha- having that, that vision, I, I think is, is, is powerful. Otherwise I think you, you can get that shiny object syndrome mm-hmm. where you're just trying to make that quick buck, you know, and that quick fix and you get in that sort of rut and 
Now you just tried 10 quick fixes and not, nothing worked and you're still, you're, you're at, you're back where you were, you know, you're at square one. <laughs> or you lost money in the process, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's, that's so true, man. Cause it really makes it easy when you can, you know, put your flag in the sand way up in the future and say, just trust in the process, not today's outcome. And, and that's kind of been a mantra for me to, in like the last couple of months like thinking about 2020 and it's like, no matter how far you think you should be right now, it's like, don't think about the shoulds, woulds or could haves. Just think about what you can do right now and just keep going. <laughs> I think I would, the other thing I would say too, is that I would say a huge quality, a really big quality for an entrepreneur is having that level headedness. So mm. never getting too high, never getting too low. Yeah. I feel like, I've heard the Seahawks talk about that a bunch, you know, Russell Wilson. I mean, that's, that's probably him in a nutshell. And that's, that's really powerful because it doesn't matter to me if I'm struggling to get clients or if I just got three new big clients, just stay even keel yeah, and don't get too high. Don't get too low. I, I agree. It's like one of the things I believe Nicole Davis had told us this uh, former Olympian volleyball player. She had said, always pretend like the score is zero, zero. You know, and, and that's fine. Like if you're in a sport, that's cool. But like in general, I think that's such a great idea to look at life because it's like you can come, you can come in every moment when you said, if you're pretending like you're low, you'd usually do worse. And if you're like already coming in high and you feel like you're hot, then you might get sloppy. <laughs> and so you got to really mm -hmm. ride the wave at that perfect balance point to kind of keep going sometimes. And by no means am I saying this is easy. Because it's not <laughs> at all. <laughs> Would you say, let's see, there's like people on the outside. Okay, let's do it this way. So people on the outside looking at someone who's running their own business, is they say, how do you do that, right? Because like, they, they think it's daunting and they, they see like you're always moving and you're kind of like maybe pulling your hair out or something like that. Like what would you say to someone who's like maybe wants to do it but is like afraid of like committing to it? Uh, that's an interesting question that you bring up because I, I've thought about that a lot because I've gotten similar reactions or similar questions, you know, or I can never do that. And I'm like, you know, I, I like, I was never, I don't mean this is sound trite, but like I was never fearful starting my own business. Like I just, it felt like this is what I'm supposed to do mm -hmm. and everything is going to work out. Trust the process this this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be headed. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't I don't have a good answer <laughs> for those kind of questions. But like that that that's where I go because it's just like I I don't think of myself as someone that's persevering. But from the outside, like that's what everybody is is seeing. Or like you said, you know, you're ripping your head out one minute, or you're over here the next minute. Or yeah, exactly. Trying this thing next minute, <laughs> and it's just like that's. That is what it is. Like that's that's just part of the the nature of the beast mm -hmm. and, and what I signed up for. And but at the end of the day, I'm so passionate about what I do that I think that that covers up a lot of it as well. I, if I was starting my own business, is something that I had no passion for, had no desire for, then I think those things would rear its ugly head a lot more often. Absolutely. It, you know, it's one of those things I've been thinking about a little bit myself not only in the entrepreneur space, but it's like when you look at like why do people do the things they do just as an interest level, right? Like people who like to read or people who like to play an instrument or whatever, you name it, or people who run marathons. And I think my answer for things like that is is those people do whatever it is that they're doing because they're compelled to do it. And that means that they, regardless of the, like there is no choice in the matter. They're they're just being compelled to, to do the thing that they want to do. And they're just going to figure out how to do that. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, and so I think for some people when they look on the outside, I think the best way to look at it is like they just haven't found a thing that they just feel like is pulling them along for the ride. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. You know, because I, I, I feel like the same way for my podcast, like I like doing feeding curiosity for me, isn't that like I've planned this thing. It's just I feel compelled 
to make it a thing, <laughs> which I don't know. Like, it sounds so strange to say it that way, though, but it's like there's just something about it that it use, I can use as a vehicle to explore the world, right? And that's, I feel like, how a lot of people view the thing that they're doing in their life, right? I've talked to a lot of podcasters, <laughs> and what you just described, your podcast is going to be going places because that, <laughs> that to me, is, seems to be the common denominator for anybody that, that has a podcast that they really enjoy it mm -hmm. and that's where it starts and it doesn't start with oh, i'm gonna make this amazing podcast and get all this ad revenue and you know be number one and blah blah blah, <laughs> blah. You know, it starts with the seed of you're so interested and passionate about it that 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 let alone fuels it yeah i mean like legitimately part of it is being able to talk to people like yourself because the to kind of get meta with you real quick here, but I, I had listened. I loved podcasting as a genre. I just think as a form of content creation, it is so different and unique than any other form. And so even though it is super buzzy and like everybody is doing a podcast nowadays, I don't see it in that way at all because I think it allows for a unique form of discourse and entertainment that we don't really have access to in other ways currently. For me, I want to be able to talk to people who are like, you know, subject matter experts or just living life. And then I, the more I kind of pulled back the layers, cause I was, I'm pretty big into like biographies right now. Like I listen to them in audiobooks cause I find them really fascinating uh, to learn life lessons from. And I was kind of like, you know, you don't need to be a Bill Gates to get like learn from someone. Like you could be anybody then and, you know, ask them questions that they never got asked before. Or like, how did you, you know, what was it like growing up in your life kind of thing? Or, you know, cause even though we're all different, we all have similar patterns and themes within our life that sh help shape uh, us and we can learn from those or in the very least like grab a book or something that you know shape them like the, you mentioned coaches that are in books here so we can other people can go read those things and kind of gain knowledge from that right yeah and i've always said entrepreneurship to me i've always been intrigued by it because everybody has their own story mm-hmm their own, their own backstory, their own story of why they started and what the, what's product or service or selling or whatever. Yeah. We all have different stories, but yet we all have one common thread is that we want to be our own business, you know, own our own businesses, be our own bosses. Yeah. So I, I've always, I've always been intrigued from that angle. Yeah. It's super interesting. So we're almost at an hour already and time is flying and I didn't even realize, but is, is there any way we'll do two different ones. So first one is in the last six months or so with it, like within the new year, what has like been your biggest takeaway or biggest thing you've been working on? Is this personal or professional? Either or, or both. You can give one of each. Okay, so I would say let's start professional. Professionally, where I have niched my website design business was primarily in the fitness space. Okay. And that's where I've been the last year or two. So at this, the first year, I'm general web guy, and that's getting me nowhere because as a generalist, pretty much you can help anybody, but then you help nobody because you don't resonate with anybody. So I picked the fitness space done some great work and have some great clients and enjoy that. But I learned towards the end of last year that that wasn't exactly where I wanted to plant the flag a hundred percent. I didn't want to put all my eggs in that basket. So now as we move forward in this year, I am going to have, instead of it being solely fitness focused, I have kind of four buckets. So health and wellness, okay. fitness, Home services, so you could say like plumbers, like contractors, okay, con plumbers. Like contract work, all the yeah. like electricians yeah. and things yeah. like that. Yep, yeah, pest control, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Fall into that bucket, and then podcasters, ah, and okay. those are like the, my four main areas that I want to target. And so instead of being solely fitness, be able to branch out a little bit, but yet still have have a couple niches, have a niche to be able to be specialized. And so that, mm -hmm. that's my focus and my push for 2020 here. Uh, and then professional, or I'm sorry, uh, personally, I, I think it's those daily and weekly reflections. I want to get mm -hmm. more, 
consistent with that. And I remember hearing something early on with the business where it was like, you win what you do tonight helps you win the day tomorrow. I forget the exact phrase, Mm -hmm. but you know, being able to pick out a couple of key things that you need to accomplish that next day and sort of have a game plan for the next day. So that one, when you, when your head hits a pillow, you're not, you don't have the monkey brain going, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what, what are you going to, you know, where are you going to spend your time and energy tomorrow? Two, when you wake up, you have that clear thought and you know exactly what you need to do to, to be successful in that particular day. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I love that a lot. It's really good. I think reflection is a, is a huge thing for, for us in the modern world to, cause because of how go, go, go it is. If we can stop and pause and reflect on how we got to where we are, we can kind of direct where we're going a little bit better. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. And so last question here. So this is a, this is a newer question I've been doing for 2020, but it's, it's a little cliche, but what is like for you, how do you feed your curiosity? I would say continuously learning. Like I, like I don't feel like I ever learned enough and I'm very open-minded. So getting different perspectives, mm-hmm. there's obviously people that I look up to, uh, mentors, like I've talked about like from afar, but you know, exposing myself to, to new views and new ways to, to think about things. That, that, that's, that's what I was saying. Awesome. Well, CT, this has been truly insightful and obviously more than enough for round two at a later day. Where can people connect with you? Yes, you can connect with me on my website, ctcope.com. We can uh, link that up in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Instagram is ct underscore cope, mm-hmm. and I would say that and like LinkedIn, I would put that in the show notes as well. But those are kind of the two areas, uh, social media wise, that I would be most active. Sweet, can definitely do that. But feel free to, uh, yeah, feel free to come to my, my come to my website and reach out to me that way, and uh, we'll love to talk through. Awesome, thanks, ET. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Feeding Curiosity. I hope you all learned something or at least got you thinking. If you want to dive in deeper, please head over to feedingcuriosity.net to find related links or just more podcasts and blogs that we posted there. On top of this, please consider subscribing to our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest happenings on the website. Thank you all for joining me one more time and we'll catch you all in the next episode.